Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Congratulations to the Washington Mystics. Uh, Both Bruce and I are geniuses. If you've been following along on buckets, boards, and blocks through WNBA playoffs, that's in the books. Now, NBA and college hoops, which is my first love, college hoops are right around the corner. Today's guest is an authority on men's and women's Big East basketball, and he's also one half of my mojo. He's coming right up. But nobody gets to talk before Darlene. Darlene, girl, do your thing. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks is hosted by a former Georgetown Hoyer who likes nothing better than a well-executed fade screen and thinks DC ballers are the smartest. A lover of threes in transition, Monica McNutt. Thank you, Darlene. Today's very special guest is half of Team Mojo, my loving broadcast partner in the Big East. Um, This is my guy, John Fanta. John is going into his third year as the host of the Big East Shootaround Show. It's a weekly digital show covering men's and women's basketball storylines and around the conference. He's also a play-by-play commentator for Fox Sports College Basketball. That's where we first met. Actually, I think it technically was the Big East Digital Network. But anyway, he's been a Fox Skyline reporter. He's the Big East women's ba- on the Big East Women's Basketball Tournament. He's followed um, the teams out of the Big East and their adventures in the Pan American Games this summer. I mean, John is just all over the place, and he is definitely all things Big East. John, thanks for coming on the BBB pod. And you're my girl, Mojo. Thanks for having <laughs> me. It's great to be with you. In my mind right now, it's already college hoops opening night, and I'm walking a coffee over to the, the table to join you. I cannot wait. We're so excited. Okay, so we are recording this pod on Indigenous Peoples Day or Columbus Day, whichever you want to go with. We're not going to get into that in this space. It is October 14th. Last week, John and I, as well as our friends Megan McCaffrey, Matt Schumacher, Pat O'Keefe, some other good folks that cover the Big East, we're all at Madison Square Garden, joined by both players and coaches um, to chop it up for media day, John. So let's start on the men's side. I know you had the chance to sit down with quite a few of the men's coaches uh, for the show and some players. Your biggest takeaway was what, John? Georgetown is back. You can hear it in Patrick's voice. When he sat down with us, he said the difference heading into my third year at the helm of the Hoyas is that I feel like I've got NCAA tournament caliber talent. And I don't think you could say that necessarily for him in his first two years, and that's why the Hoyas fell short of an expectation that this program has had for a long time, Monica. It's getting to the big dance. Georgetown has not been to the tournament since 2015. So if they make it in 2020, that's a half decade that Georgetown hasn't been on the big dance floor, and that's unheard of when you think about it. Patrick Ewing has James Akinjo and Mac McClung, two sophomore guards who really shined last year and showed in flashes what they could be. And then he's got a power forward in Josh LeBlanc, who I think perimeter game 
he has the motor, he has the defensive capabilities, the skill set to potentially be a pro prospect down the road. And Patrick Ewing does not run anything for LeBlanc, which tells you about everything he means to that Georgetown program because he still produces. So the way is Georgetown is prepared to make a deep run, and a big reason for that is those sophomores and the addition of NC State transfer Omir Yurt 7 down low. I'm super excited to see your seven in action. Um, I love the way you kicked off the pod, John. You have to come back as a guest. You played into my <laughs> ego. These were facts we're speaking about the Hoyas. But it's funny because the media day was Thursday. And Friday night, I was a part of one of the analysts on the live stream of Hoya Madness. And I'm sitting next, next to Rich Shavatkin, who is the voice of the Hoyas, going into his 46th year in that position, guys, which is incredible. And it's mm. funny because he was, talking about when Patrick Ewing was playing versus where we are now and how the identity of this squad this year should be fast, tough, and a big-time rebounding squad. Um, I love the confidence that Patrick Ewing is bringing, but I also know, and you know this too, John, the guard play across this league, whether you're talking about Seton Hall and Miles Powell or Villanova and what Jay Wright continues to have in that stable, is not anything to sneeze at. So McClung and Akinjo, to me, are going to have to take it to the next level. 1,000%. I mean, they, they are going to get tested in a big way because, think about it, I think Georgetown's back, but Monica, they're pick six in the Big East preseason mm-hmm. poll, which is another takeaway. This league is loaded to get six, potentially even seven NCAA tournament teams on the board. That's how deep the Big East is. You brought up Seton Hall and Villanova. Villanova with Colin Gillespie at the helm, and They've got some interesting stretch players, Jermaine Samuels, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and they're waiting on Brian Antoine uh, to get healthy. But you didn't even, uh, we didn't even mention, how about the All-American? How about the reigning Big East mm-hmm. Player of the Year, Marcus Howard, yep. who's capable of a 50-burger yep. on any given night? That speaks to the depth in the conference of guard play. You have two All-Americans in Powell and Howard. So that is going to make it difficult for Georgetown's sophomores because, look, life in this league is – certainly tough in the big east you've got an 18 game round robin home and home schedule and so for those georgetown kids that it's going to be tough to make that move but i look at ewing's natural progression in year one five big east wins five and 13 last year nine and nine i think that gradual progression sees the hoyas elevate their non-conference schedule and they do this year and then they should be able to to hang in in the big east with the talent that they have on their roster well, I'm certainly obviously going to be tuned into the blue and gray, but <laughs> I think another exciting storyline for me as I sat and listened to all the coaches, I'm excited to see what Mike Anderson is going to do with the Red Storm up in Jamaica. I, we had an opportunity to talk with him during the MSG 150 this summer, and he talked about basically re-recruiting those guys, RJ Figueroa, Mustafa Heron, kind of inviting them or welcoming them into what this thing would look like under their new regime. I cannot wait to see the organized chaos that he's going to create on defense with that squad. Absolutely. And in the Big East, when you play that home-at-home schedule of 18 games where you're going to their place and you get them at yours, you've got to be able to differentiate yourself in the style at which you play. That's not going to be a problem for St. John's. They're going to press for 40 minutes, that 40 minutes of hell style. And you have two all-Big East preseason players and L.J. Figueroa and Mustafa Heron. The question for St. John's is the point guard situation. They lose Shamari Ponce. They've got some options that they're trying to fill that hole. Uh, they bring in a transfer, Rutherford, 
who could fill that role. But for St. John's, they're going to press you. They've got two really athletic players. I think Figueroa is a very explosive player who can get up and down for them. There's pieces and parts there for the Red Storm to be a sleeper in the Big East. And in a league where the coaches know each other so well, the first-year head coach could throw in an added wrinkle because teams haven't seen what St. John's will be doing, and that is a full-court press. That's unlike anything that any team in the Big East has done. Ooh, so exciting. I can't <laughs> wait. Okay, so another couple teams I want to get into while we're chatting men's. Uh, Marquette, to me, is interesting. You brought up Marcus Howard, reigning Big East Player of the Year. This team is going to look a little bit different this year, some different faces. They lost a couple guys to graduation and then transferring. You want to see a guy like Sakar Anum step up? Um, you've got Ed Morrow and Brandon Bailey guys coming off the bench. What are you thinking on the Golden Eagles, John? With the loss of Sam and Joey Hauser, I mean, a big loss. You've got Sam going to Virginia to play for Tony Bennett, Joey heading to Michigan State to play for Tom Izzo. They both just felt like they needed a different setting. Uh, that means that Marquette is going to play bigger, Monica. So it won't be four out, one in, what we've seen from them. It's going to be three out, two in. And to try to supplement that, Marquette brought in a Utah transfer named Jace Johnson, who averaged seven and seven last year, a guy that can be sturdy in the post. They have the returning Big East shot blocking leader in Theo John. So there are some options down low. You've got a Nebraska transfer in Ed Morrow as well. But what I think for Marquette is the biggest key is how Howard plays off of Kobe McEwen, Utah mm-hmm. State transfer, who is a really good physical guard. And I think he provides Marquette with a dimension that they haven't had, and that is a player that can play alongside Howard late in games that can create his own shot. A big issue for Marquette in the closing moments last year was it was all Howard and really nobody else. And I think that's going to change here this year because McEwen can get to the basket by himself. So that added dimension could be a good thing for the Golden Eagles, but I don't think you're going to see in November and December them look the smoothest because of the fact that you lose your second and third leading scores. Those Hauser brothers who did so much, that means an entire style change for Steve Wojciechowski entering year six. Ooh, can't wait to see how Woj is going to stir that drink. All right, the team tied, though, with Marquette for that fourth place in the preseason poll was Providence. And I know you got to hang out with Ed Cooley. Super cool summer um, in the role that Providence and Coach Cooley took as far as hosting the Pan-American team. Yes. Yeah, what a special opportunity for the Big East Conference. It became the first NCAA conference to represent the United States exclusively in an Olympic sporting event. So they basically sponsored the Pan-American Games team out in Lima, Peru, this past August, took home a bronze medal, and you're talking about, in this competition, an Argentina team that ended up going on into the World Cup and playing very, very well uh, throughout pool play and, and going on into bracket play. So no shame in that, and what an experience for those players, guys that would not get that opportunity to play at the Olympic level to come home with a bronze medal, something that they won't forget. But for Ed Cooley, uh, last year was disappointing. You think mm-hmm. about it for Providence, they had been to five straight NCAA tournaments. That had become the new standard. And so he said, he's gotten on the wall for his group. He said the first day of practice to his group, he goes, last year, you guys were the one group 
that couldn't keep the streak going. And you know, Monica, you played the game. When that's up on the board, you think about that every day when you walk yeah. in. And I sense that from Providence. They've got two sophomores, A.J. Reeves and David Duke, that are going to become household names. That's how highly I think of those two. I think Reeves, down the road, and you can quote me on this, will be an NBA draft first-round pick. That's, that's how good I think A.J. Reeves can be. I think his season got hampered last year by an injury, and he just could never get into a full rhythm. So that backcourt for Ed Cooley and depth, they've got a lot of options if they can get fully healthy. Nate Watson right now for them, their big man has an injury uh, with his knee. If they can get healthy, Providence has a chance to be a top three team, could, could come out as a Big East tournament champion, would not surprise me at all. And Ed Cooley's shown before he can get there to championship Saturday in the Big East. He's done it twice and done it once. And not many teams have been able to say that because Villanova's been the king of the mountain. Hey, John, this is Bruce. I was curious. I know that um, you mentioned his name a little bit earlier, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl of Villanova. He was a five-star recruit. Is he the type of player? I mean, he's clearly got to have an NBA you know, level of talent to be a five-star. Is he a possible one-and-done type guy, or do you expect him to stick around for more than a year? It's a really interesting question because Jay Wright doesn't really do one-and-done. That's not something that's been his calling card. But this kid is going to play right from the get-go, and I think he should start right from the get-go. And what I'll say is this. Behind closed doors, this is somebody who's very aware of his surroundings, that's having conversations with people around the league uh, and with people around the Big East Conference, with people around the NCAA, just consulting, saying, you know, what are my options here? He's very educated. So I've been impressed more than anything without Robinson Earl even playing a second at just how aware he is of what his potential and what his options could be. Could he be a one and done? Yes. I think he actually deviates from a normal Villanova freshman because of the amount he's going to play and because his, of his raw talent and maturity. I think he is the perfect Jay Wright freshman if there is such a thing. You think about Villanova. They've gotten it done with three- and four-year players. But when you win two of the last four national championships, it automatically puts you in that pool of being able to at least visit with whoever you want and get that level of a recruit. So I think Robinson Earl is, has the perfect ingredients. Uh, he, Javon Quinterly comes in there last year. It was the exact opposite. So I, I, I really think the, the key with Robinson Earl is just his maturation before he even steps on the floor would lead me to believe he's a one-and-done candidate. Mm, okay. You heard it here first, potentially. Jay Wright producing a one-and-done, maybe. That would be a, sh- a a little bit of a shocker. And then we've got a potential lottery pick in, in Reeves, you said, John? I think a first-round pick. Not ready to say yeah. lottery because of the health. But I would say A.J. Reeves could be a first-round pick down the road because, uh, look, that's what they believe in, in Providence. And – Seeing him play, I think that there's a lot of raw talent there that has to come together. And because he's flying under the radar heading into this season, it may very well come together because he might not necessarily be at the top of every team's scout, and they could pay for that early, which could give him an opportunity to really showcase a skill set that I think has a real high ceiling. All right, we're going to turn the page over to the women's hoops. But before we do that, we definitely (laughs) have to talk about the team projected number one 
in the men's preseason poll, as well as the home to this year's preseason player of the year in Miles, Miles Powell and the Seton Hall Pirates. Now, here's my thing straight up, John. I love the Big East. I think Kevin Willard has done a fantastic job. But for some reason, for me, and maybe it goes back to my playing days, I can never quite trust Seton Hall men's basketball. Like, I, I feel like in the big-time moments, they're going to do something a little sporadic. There's going to be an ill-advised decision made, blaming on their feisty guards, maybe going rogue. But can I trust them this year? You can, because two years ago, Seton Hall came in as a consensus top 25, top 30 team with a senior class that was loaded with Hadeen Carrington, Desi mm-hmm. Rodriguez, Angel Delgado, and Monica, frankly, I thought complacency took place. I thought egos flooded into that locker room at times, and you've got a lot of agendas. I don't sense that at all within this Seton Hall locker room. Miles Powell is the Big East preseason player of the year for a reason. The coaches voted him as such because you've got a player who has set his agenda aside and could have been a late second-round NBA draft pick had he entered the draft. Instead, he's coming back because he believes that he can get this team to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Now, I think, I think that that is within the realm of possibility. I think you can trust them because being within that locker room and, and being close to the, the pulse of the team, when I talk to people, I, I hear about how enjoyable it is for Kevin Willard to coach this group. This is what he's been working towards. And entering year 10 for Willard, it really is um, just a sum of everything that he's been able to work for. So this Seton Hall team can be trusted because it goes beyond Powell. They have depth. They've got Miles Kale, a guard who completes a really good duo with Powell. They've got Sandro Mamukelashvili, a stretch player who can deliver for them both down low and beyond the three-point arc. They've got a good sophomore class of, of talent. And they've got some additions. They have a great shot-blocking presence in Florida State transfer Ike Obiagu and a freshman in Tyree Samuel, who I'm hearing great things about. So I think about all the options, and that tells me Powell's not going to have to do it all. And when you have a player that good already on the floor, that says to me, okay, this team is for real. Seton Hall can be trusted. You know what, John? This is why I'm so proud and honored to be half of Team Mojo, because you nailed those last names and those pronunciations like a true (laughs) play-by-play guy would do. Um, All right, so boom. That's what we're looking forward to on the men's side. We're going to flip it over to the women's side a little bit, John. Um, Seton Hall will stay there. They boast both players of the year this year on both sides, and Shadeen Samuels, that that selection on the women's side under the tutelage of Coach Bozella. Um, Seton Hall on the women's side, they actually return their core. So I I like this selection. I do too. And I look at Tony Bozella. He's gotten this program to five postseason appearances in six years. And Monica, you played in this league. Seton Hall, when you were playing, they were a doormat, were they not? Yeah, and that's probably why I still can't trust them to this day. And they were selected third, <laughs> but they do have a high selection on the women's side. They're selected third, but they also do boast the player of the year on the women's side. Please continue, John. Yeah, I mean, five postseason appearances in six years. I think that the coaches see that Tony Bazella has a lot of talent colliding at once, and they see that he's been able to get it done before. Samuels is a stretch for 
who could have WNBA potential because mm-hmm. she's got a perimeter game. She runs the floor really well, and they play a, a high-powered offensive style. They've got a couple of impact transfers. Spazella's done this before on the transfer wire, and that will be the same here this year. But that's why Seton Hall is picked in the top three in the Big East. St. John's in second. I think the two locals are going to have some fun battles, one in late January that's going to be an all-access game between Tony Bazella and Joe Tartamella on FS1, which should be pretty cool for those two coaches to go up against each other, mic'd up for the entirety of the broadcast, uh, unlike anything that you'll see. Uh, But beyond those two, we have to talk about the top team because until someone takes it from them, it's very tough to say anybody else can take the Big East title. And that's Doug Bruno's to Paul Blue Demons. In my... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, it, it, it's very cool that, that Seton Hall has both of the preseason uh, player of the ye- players of the year in men's and women's. I was reading, it's the first time that one school has had the men's and women's preseason players of the year since Emeka Okafer and Diana Tarazi for UConn back in 2003. That's pretty yeah. cool. It is cool. I remember <laughs> that. That's so crazy. And it's a humble reminder from UConn that they're coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely definitely looking forward to UConn coming back. Now, you brought up Mm -hmm. DePaul, John. Here's the thing on DePaul. And I know that it wasn't – I mean, they had – they were the unanimous selection. I get it. But if you're looking at the voting numbers, there are 11 votes up on St. John's for that second spot. Coach Bruno is – and, you know, he talks to us endlessly whenever we're fortunate enough (laughs) to have a game with them – He's very patient with his group, and he's all about timing at the right points in the season. I love, love, love Shantae Stonewall, Um, and I think he's got some shooters and some weapons there. But I honestly would not be surprised if it doesn't quite pan out this way, just because I think when you look at the way St. John's should be able to play, because they literally return everybody. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like, but I just, again, St. John's to me is the same way I am with the men of Seton Hall. Like, as much as I love uh, Tiana England, Khadijah, all those guys, I-, I need them to put it together consistently. Exactly. And that's what DePaul does so well. And not only do they have Shantae Stonewall, who's the reigning Big East Tournament most outstanding player, who against all odds led DePaul past Marquette in an epic Big East Women's Tournament final last year. Epic game. You've got uh, Kelly Campbell who does a little bit of everything for them. Might not show up in the stat sheet, everything she does, but Doug Bruno raves about what she can do. I think about players like Lexi Held as well, who contribute uh, in key moments. The thing about DePaul is, Monica, you just said it, consistency. And in women's basketball, what do we see from the powerhouses in the sport? They just figure out ways to win consistently. It might not be pretty. We did a game for DePaul out in Omaha last year. And if you remember, DePaul, it wasn't pretty, but when they got their rhythm, they put the game away. They went on yeah. a 12 nothing, 14-2 run, and that was it. It's tough to punch back from that. So for these Blue Demons, it's theirs until someone takes it from them. I will say this, though. Joe Tartamella, St. John's women's hoops head coach, might be the most basic, you know, straight face, nothing phases him type guy. Or he'll just rip his whole team apart, which is pretty funny to listen to because you know his ladies are better than that, but he's hard on them. But when he <laughs> says, 
when he says to us, I feel like we can be a top 25 team, that tells me that St. John's is back this year and can be an NCAA tournament team. No, and I I absolutely take him at his word because of the style at which they play. Now, when I had an opportunity to talk with Tiana um, at Media Day, they talked about getting in better shape and going through two a day so that they could do it. But they remind me so much of our Georgetown teams potentially back in the day when we mm. casually, casually, guys, led the country in steals. We were up and down. We were playing transition basketball. We were wreaking havoc on the defensive end. And that's the type of squad that Coach Tart has. Now, again, consistency, though, John. Hey, rumor has it you're partaking in some of those two-a-days. Oh, you know, I don't know if I still have it, but I, I would if I could. All right, so look, <laughs> give, me, give me your dark horse on the women's side, because I've got one. I want to see where if we're on the same sort of page. So mine is Xavier. Okay. I kind of like what I'm seeing from the Musketeers in the preseason. They've got a new coach in Melanie Moore. And Xavier's been the doormat. They've been at the basement of the conference, and they are tired of that. And I think that they were in a lot of games last year that they couldn't finish because they just did not have that edge. I think their new head coach, Melanie Moore, can give them that type of an edge. She comes in and knows what winning looks like, uh, served under Kim barnes Rico at one point in her career. And, and this is a coach who comes in and will run which we haven't seen from Xavier in the past, Monica, and has mm-hmm. a double-double machine in a player named Ariana Gray, who Love can really control a game down low. And she told me last week, she said, look, I hate to lose. We are tired of being in the basement. That ends this year. Xavier, dark horse. Okay, I like, I like Xavier. I'm going to stick with the same color scheme. And in fact, John, I think this is one of our favorite games to call last year. I'm going to go Providence. As my dark horse, can I, can a team picked up five be your dark horse? It's a 10-team league, so yeah. Yeah, then, of course of course they can. Um, Come on. I'm curious to see the next step for uh, reigning freshman of the year, Mary Baskerville. I think oh. that there is no one quite like her in conference. And if she can stay focused and yield results as far as what she told me she focused on this offseason, which was to defend without fouling so that she can stay on the floor, she moves very, very well. She has tremendous hands. And I really think that Coach Crawley might be mixing up the pie just so up in Providence. Um, So that's my squad. I love Kayla Webb at the point guard position. I love Olivia Orlando. She plays so tough. Mm -hmm. She can hit big time in big time moments so I think I'm, I'm gonna go with the Friars as my dark horse yeah and this is entirely his team now right he's mm-hmm. now been there so that he it's his roster so for Jim Crawley I think he's comfortable with his kids and, and they've got just a, a certain presence about them that we haven't seen in the past but I, I was gonna say of course you can pick the Friars even though they're picked fifth this is buckets boards and blocks where Monica McNutt makes the rules <laughs> You know what? I, I love it, John. This is why you're my, this is Mojo. Do you feel the Mojo, Bruce? This is why I love this guy. <laughs> this, this, is a chemi- this, is, this is a chemistry experiment that's going very, very well. That's all I got to say. All right, John. So I know you and I um, are doing our thing. It's, it's getting ready to be season time, buddy. We're going to be on the road. I'm going to be in the gym. We're going to be eating good when we go to these various places. Anything <laughs> happening for you in the non-conference? Any games that you're looking forward to? Notice she said, I'm going to be in the gym because I'll be there here and there. (laughs) 
she she added we'll be eating good. That's always a given. That you take care you take care of the treadmill. I'll take care of the reservation. That said, some non-conference games that we're looking forward to on the men's side. Seton Hall and Michigan State in Ooh. Newark on November fourteenth. Gus Johnson is scheduled to be on that call, one of our favorites, because it is a huge game. You're talking about potentially the number one team in the country in the Spartans visiting the Prudential Center against this hyped-up Big Big East preseason favorite Seton Hall. I mean, the the roof's going to pop off that place. They're expecting a complete sellout at the Prudential Center, which has not happened for Seton Hall in their time at the Rock. Another one, Villanova hosting Kansas deeper into December. Love that non-conference showdown. And quickly, Butler, Florida at Hinkle Fieldhouse. I think the Gators have a lead eight potential. Could be a final four dark horse. I really like Mike White's team. And they go to Hinkle. That one's got a vintage feel to it. And then December 14th, the one you have circled on your calendar, Syracuse at Georgetown. A huge move-the-needle opportunity for Patrick Ewing and his Hoyas. Syracuse at Georgetown. I love that we've maintained that old school rivalry. Also, mm. I also know how much you love Hinkle Fieldhouse. I really hope that Mike White can really put a stamp on this particular Florida team. And not that he hasn't in the past, but I remember him from his Western Kentucky days when yeah. those guys were getting up and down the floor. So this year, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I know we're not super duper SEC folks. I think Florida has just kind of performed a little bit under par under white since he's been there so far so i'd like to see him go ahead and take that full throttle step forward yeah got to the elite eight and faced south carolina and what was a really good game a couple years ago at madison square garden if you remember chris shields they had that game winner so i'm not ready to proclaim it as that but what i will say about florida is they got virginia tech transfer carrie blackshear mm. and last year he was so good for virginia tech so big and their first Sweet 16 season in well over 50 years. So I, I really like Blackshear coming to Florida. I think he provides them with NCAA tournament experience that can win in March. Yeah, you and I both had an opportunity to see Blackshear here in D.C. during the Sweet 16, up close and personal. So definitely a strong addition there. And please allow me to apologize. I will not be the media person running her mouth that is inaccurate and doesn't admit it. Shout out to Mike White getting to the Elite Eight. Go, Mike White. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just don't want to – hey, we just don't – we want to make friends with, with the uh, the Gators here because of the fact that, hey, they have gotten that far, and I think they still can can be that type of a team this year. Be on the lookout for Florida. I, I think that they've got a team that can be in Atlanta uh, come March. And, and I, I'm not one of those people that's like, okay, there's 20 different Final Four potential teams. I think that there's 10 to 12. I think Florida's one of those teams. Okay. Okay. I have not necessarily really looked on the men's side quite as deeply, so I'm going to have to do that so we can have that conversation again next time I see you. On the women's side, though, I do know for me, one of the marquee non-conference matchups that I'm looking forward to is Connecticut and DePaul. Um, Mm -hmm. I was up at American Media Day actually talking with Coach Oriyama, and it was kind of crazy because he pointed out that this is the first time in a long time. In fact, he went all the way back to 2005, the year after Diana Taurasi graduated, that he had a roster that was not stock full of All-Americans and kids who had already won at a high level. He's really got, I mean, talented kids, but not quite in the way that we're used to seeing of UConn. And so he's talked about the demands that that has required of him to this point as far as a coach in terms of going back and allowing his players to step into new roles 
but having them not try to take roles that don't fit them as well. And we know Oriyama and Bruno over at DePaul, Coach Bruno, are very, very good friends. So I'm excited for that one in the women's non-conference league. Expect offense. Get ready for elite three-point shooting. And it's the style that everybody loves to watch. It's, it's a style that we've come to appreciate. It's the type of style that we just saw in an epic WNBA Finals. And when you talk to those two legends of the game that have been at it for a long time and have racked up the wins to show for it, they say, why wouldn't you want to play that type of style, getting up and down, making defenses work? That's what DePaul does better than anybody. They wear you down. But when they face, DePaul, when they face UConn, rather, Monica, uh, at, at times, UConn's just taken that and used it to their advantage. So for DePaul, the question always is when they're facing UConn, can they keep up when the Huskies go on those runs? Because it becomes really dangerous when those teams match up because the points, they can just keep on rolling with the way those two teams play offensively. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, we're, we're definitely looking forward to that one. All right, Fanta, you are just killing it, my friend. This is how we wrap up things here on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. I, I'm, I'm t- Bruce, should I give M- Mojo, my other half, should I give him all three or should we just give him one? Uh, you know, John has so much knowledge. I mean, he could probably like do three without even trying, but you know, you know I mean, you know, he's just like, you know, we, we might be, we might be like holding this man back if we only give him one. <laughs> All right. So we'll All leave right, the truth. Bruce. Right. right? <laughs> Lay him on me. Here's the deal, John. Take it from the title of our podcast, Buckets, Boards, and Blocks. I need yeah. you to give me one of each of those, as far as the biggie slate is concerned, what you're excited about this season. So this is these are the rules. Your bucket is the A++ thing. It's the thing that you want more of. Give me all of that about the Big East mm. Conference. Your board is maybe something that is not exactly glamorous when you look at it at first, but it has some silver lining, like a beautiful rebound. Okay? Okay. Then lastly, your block, get that out of here, Fanta. We don't want any parts of that, whatever that thing is. We're blocking it all day, every day. So you okay. get to give me one each as far as both the men's and women's basketball slate is concerned, heading into the 2019-2020 Big East slate. Okay. Uh, bucket, trash talk. That's what the Ooh. Big East is all about. Last week at Media Day, Luan Pipkin from Providence Walks up behind Georgetown's Mac McClung on the live show and says, we're coming for you this year. Okay? I love that about <laughs> Big East basketball. Last year, James Akinjo, the Georgetown point guard, you remember this, Monica? With Seton Hall's Quincy McKnight, they had a floor-slapping battle for about mm. a minute during the game. So, yeah, this conference is loaded. We've talked about Howard and Powell, but sometimes what people don't know about it, if you pay attention, the A++ thing, how can you not love trash talk um, for boards we've talked about the DePaul women something that people might not notice but there could be a silver line this year I'm talking about the DePaul men uh, I think mm. that this program can get out of the Big East basement this year I think there's some other candidates that could finish 10th in the Big East but I actually like what DePaul's doing Dave Lato has seven to eight guys that are Big East caliber talent you couldn't say that before in his tenure Paul Reed, reigning Big East most improved player, is a rebounding machine. Charlie Moore, 
fans might be familiar with his name. He's a Kansas transfer. Bill Self took a shot on him. It didn't work out. Now Moore's at DePaul. Think about that type of, of tagline. When you hear Kansas transfer, that says to me legit talent. So I really like Moore. I like what I'm seeing from Reed. And get this. My Big East freshman of the year lead candidate, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, won the preseason honor, but I think Romeo Weems of DePaul has a sky-high ceiling. You're going to watch this kid and be floored by what he can do. Six-foot-seven wing who can do a lot of things. Because of Weems' arrival to DePaul, he wants to be part of the change, the turnaround for them. Uh, That's something that can happen, I think, with the caliber of talent of Weems, an ESPN 100 guy. And then my block, get that out of here. Hmm. Get this out of here, that you don't like, not you, Monica, but that people don't like UConn coming back to the Big East. Okay? And here's why. You're talking about a men's program that in 2014 was on top of the sport. I know it was the first year of the reconfigured Big East, but it was just five years ago that UConn was a national championship program. They have the resources and capabilities to get back there because they've done it so many times before. On the women's side, all they do is add to a conference RPI that needs a boost. You're talking about when you play UConn twice, maybe three times in the Big East tournament, that's only going to help your RPI, which could potentially help you add an extra team into the NCAA tournament. When you think about the national championship potential of the Connecticut Huskies, while it hasn't been there recently, it is in their blood. It has not gone away. I think Dan Hurley on the men's side can get them back there. I'm already seeing signs that he can do it in the recruiting pathway. And Gino Oriema is like a fine wine, okay? He just keeps rolling until we see otherwise. So. I really like what the Huskies can bring to the table. I think it only adds good things. Um, Bruce, does John get the award for our best bucket board and block so far on the show? He's got no competition. I mean, really, I mean, it's just like it's like he just, he 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 beat everybody else easily. John, way to go, man. We're gonna we're gonna um, when when we get our Pure Hoops Media gear going on, we'll definitely send you a hat. Hey, anytime, we, don't, we haven't anytime. made him yet, though. <laughs> we That's haven't made okay. him yet. <laughs> anytime. I wear, I wear an XL, and I'll tell you what. Uh, Monaco, provide the buckets. Bruce, I'll go down and get the boards. I know you got some shot rejections in you, okay? <laughs> I, I know rejection like like the back of my hand. Usually, though, <laughs> on the receiving end, unfortunately. <laughs> um, John Mojo, my partner, my friend, as always, I'm so proud of you, and I just am so excited for all that you're taking off and doing. Thanks for coming through the pod. Love you, Monica. I love all your listeners. This was a lot of fun. Let's tip this party off. Let's do it. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. I'm going to do my best to stick this landing, darling. No pressure. All right. Thank you, thank you to my friend, half of Mojo, as you guys know. Our guest today, John Fanta, for spending some quality time talking Biggie's hoops. I just loved his enthusiasm, his energy, and Y'all heard his knowledge base. That man is embedded in the Big East. Um, It's definitely going to be a great year, and we look forward to hearing John's perspective, and hopefully you guys get to catch us calling some games together. Thanks, as always, to my loyal sidekick and producer extraordinaire, Bruce Bernstein, Ben Wolfen, our editor, 
We got to thank him, too, because he makes it all sound good, puts it all together. The Mike Wise Show drops each Monday, and this week's guest is former NBA center and professional pinball player Todd McCulloch. Catch and Shoot comes your way every Wednesday, and the Pure Hoops Podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman rolls out a new show every Friday. I will be back with a fresh episode of Buckets, Boards, and Blocks next Thursday. But until then, you know the deal. Enjoy your hoops. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt has been a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Oh.